0: Welcome to Money Memoirs, a taboo-breaking interview series sharing intimately uncensored conversations about money. I am Barry Tesler, a financial therapist, author, and creator of The Art of Money, my year-long money school and global community. Join me as I connect with brave folks from all walks of life to explore their experiences with money from their greatest struggles to triumphant celebrations, to lessons learned, and unexpected discoveries along the way. These interviews are raw, heartfelt money stories. They're vulnerable, inspiring, and always authentic. These interviews are a snapshot of the personal connection and practical support you'll find in my year-long money school, The Art of Money. The Art of Money is a holistic framework that integrates money healing, money practices, and money maps. And it blends together therapeutic, body-based practices with so many real-life tools that you need to create healthy, sustainable change in your money life. If you'd like to learn more, head to BarryTesler.com. For now, get comfy and cozy for another intimately uncensored money memoir, memoir. Hi, everyone. Welcome to my money memoir series. And this is a series that I've been doing for over seven years now and inviting dear folks that I know well or that I want to know or that are colleagues or colleagues of colleagues or friends of friends in my community and it's asking everyone to share some open and honest stories about their relationship to money, the the beautiful parts of it, the easeful parts, the challenging parts, um, stories of how they grew up and how that's impacting them now, positively, negatively stories about what they've had to overcome and really anything that they're willing to share about their relationship to money at this time. And so today I have the honor of interviewing Toy Smith and I have been aware of her and watching her for some time and I follow her on Instagram and love everything that she shares there. She is a growth and impact strategist Toy is one-part strategist, one-part project manager, and one-part mentor. She brings grounding, structure, and form to ideas that are ready to fly, and she supports the women who are doing the flying. Her mission is to use business as a catalyst to uplift, support, and liberate women so they are able to do their very best creative work and, in return, reap the highest financial rewards possible in a non-oppressive, extractive way. Toy is also a single mom of four boys. She lives in Denver. And we share a very dear friend who is also both of our photographers, Danielle Cohen. And I've gotten to see beautiful photos that Danielle and Toy have done together. So welcome, Toy. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm, Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Thank
0: you. Me too. Me too. So let's begin by you please sharing a little snapshot of your family and work
1: life at this time. (sighs) Okay so um, like you said I am a single mother of four boys and so that Always requires a little bit of context for me. Um, I have um, an old. My oldest son is 14, and he lives in Ohio, in Atlanta full time with his dad, and they've been there for about three years. Um, and then my youngest three sons. I have twins that are 11, and then a seven year old. They live with me full time, um, and so my oldest son is here for summers and he's here for long breaks. And then I travel to see him. Um, So it's kind of a a mixed bag on my co-parenting. My older son, me and his father co-parent him. We have a really great relationship. We were high school sweethearts. Um, We had him fairly young. Um, I was 20. Um, And so he is really supported. When he's with his dad, he's the only kid. So (laughs) uh, his dad doesn't have any more kids. And then he comes here and he has three brothers. So it's really weird for him sometimes. Um, And so me and his younger brothers live here in Denver. um, And they are a handful and, <laughs> and business wise right now, I've been doing this work for around four years, five years. And I say this work, meaning supporting other business owners, creatives, um, healers, all of that and their business and entrepreneurial journey. Um, started out as a VA and now my business is shifting more into um, or has shifted into being more strategy coaching for, you know, women who are doing big things in the world, meaning that they are, you know, visionaries and movement makers and creatives. And they don't really, um, they don't, wouldn't identify as entrepreneurs. Um, They identify as writers or healers or creatives or artists or, you know, all of the other things, and they are entrepreneurs by happenstance because they're bringing us out to the world. And because I'm really great at business stuff, I support them in that. And so that's kind of where my life is right now.
0: Mm, Okay. I have one 11-year-old boy. (laughs) (laughs) I always give praise and bow down to anyone with more than one. Oh, my
1: gosh. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. I always say like I wish I had their energy. Like they wake up and I'm like, "Wow." Like <laughs> once upon a time I must have had it and then, you know, it just is not there anymore, but they they are um especially the twins. It's an interesting mix to watch my twins who are very very different um and then have a 7-year-old brother um who they have a really special bond as an 11-year-old, and then you have a 7-year-old um, who's, like, competing with that. So it's just – it's an interesting mix. Mm. So
0: I, this morning, just opened up one of your emails and wanted to move into that, and then we can move into your, more of your personal money memoir. But this is related, and I think this will tell a story, um uh, you know, of your work in the world of – how you're doing this for other people and of course you have to be doing your own work as well. And mm-hmm. so was this, this article was all about coming up with the right fees and the right pricing. Um, you didn't say business model, but I'm sure that's in there too, but it was more about the actual dollar amount, you know, that you were charging per hour. And in the article, you share that you, when you first started as a virtual assistant, you started charging 35 an hour, which compared to the 22 when you were working at a job, I don't know if you were in the corporate world, I'd love to hear that, um, was a huge leap, you know, and a big difference. But then you realize pretty quickly as a mom of four and where you're living and so on, that 35 an hour wasn't the right pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't the right equation for money, time, energy, family, health, or what that's my equation or whatever your equation is. And I'd love to hear more about your process around that and the fee that you're at now, and how, how do you come to that, and what are the set of questions mm. that you ask yourself and other people in this situation
1: yeah so this this you know rate discovery has been a journey for me um, i when I started working as a VA it was kind of by happenstance like I have always been an entrepreneur of some sort, but I've always worked in the corporate world. I needed some stability. I had kids when I was in my 20s, so I was young. And so I always needed a really steady job. And so even with that, though, I would do some sort of side hustle, be it Mary Kay or Avon or trying the latest, like, you know, whole, like selling something, um, trying, or trying to develop some sort of business. And, When I, you know, about five years ago, I was working in the oil and gas industry, and I had been doing that for probably five years, and I was working on the HR side, um, and I got laid off two times in a row. Um, The first time I got laid off, I knew you know, I had been with that company for a while. I knew it was going to happen. I was exhausted anyway. And I was like, fine, I don't care. Give me whatever severance, whatever thing, and I'll take it. Um, and so I did that. Um, and it was still hard. I mean, I am a single mom with four boys and it I don't get child support. And so, you know, for me, I had to go back on to food stamps and, but I was getting unemployment, but what I got back was a lot of my energy and time and space and being able to think and um, be with my kids and not worry about so much of the money stuff. Um, And so I did that, you know, for a little bit. And then I remember I was on a trip to New Orleans with my friends and to visit my family out there. And I was back coming back on the plane and like, okay, it's time for me to work, but I don't want anything really stressful. I just want something, you know, uh, like a get by job, like a bridge job to just help me figure out, you know, what the next thing is. And I got back and there was a position offered to me at another oil and gas company, um, as a receptionist. And, It was like $15 an hour, and I was like, I'll take it because that is easy work. I was like, I can do that. So I did that and then quickly moved up there. I was like, you know, they figured out what my skill set was. They had an opening in their HR department, and that has been my history. And so I went into um, a position there, and it wasn't making a ton. It was $22 an hour, but it fortified my life at that time and then I got laid off again so I think I was in that position maybe six months um before I was laid off um and so then from there I had no clue kind of what I was gonna do I was like well you know well I got a decent severance um package from them and then I had unemployment and so I had some time and in that space of time like I was writing more. Um, you know, I was able to interact on the social webs more. And there was a, a Facebook group that a friend invited me to. And, you know, I became active in that group. And the owner of that group said that they had, you know, they were looking for someone to help them at like 10 hours a week uh, doing, listed some things. And it was $25 an hour. And I was like, oh, I can do that in my sleep. I had, you know, previously I've run blogs. I used to have a really popular blog called Lessons from a Baby Mama, where I would talk about um, my lessons in motherhood. And and I've always been really good um, with tech and developing websites. And that's been things that I've done my whole life. And so, and I'm a really quick learner. So I was like, I can do that in my sleep. So I sent her a resume and I was like, this doesn't show anything like in the freelance, you know, world, but... I can do all of those things. And she was basically like hired. So I started working with her and then I did really good, great work with her at $25 an hour. And she was like, if you want to develop a website, I can promote you to some other people and probably get you some clients. And so I did that and I set my rate at $35 an hour. Now, I was like, $35 an hour, that's, you know, if I get this many clients and I work this many hours, like that. Can work for us and that can work for me. And so I did that. Um, and I started getting a lot of clients at that rate. Um, but then what I quickly realized, I think it was about four months and I was exhausted all over again because you're, I was only selling packages of like 10 hours a month at $35 an hour. So. So how many clients do I need at that? Right. So I need a lot of clients. I need to maintain a really high workload. And then I also have a business that my own personal business that I have to worry about as well. So there's time that goes into that. And then I also have to mother. So, and I also need some self-care, self-love time as well. So I was like, okay, this isn't working. And so then I started really starting to look at my numbers of like, what do I need to make? And it wasn't even at that time that I was like, like, aha, this is it. Like there was no aha moment. Like I just started like really keeping tabs on like what my business expense, business expenses were, what my home expenses were. And like what, like the kind of life I wanted, like I wasn't, I didn't feel embodied in the rate and in the life I was having, working with that many clients at that rate. And so what happens over over the years is I just started gradually increasing my rates um, to be more in alignment with what I actually needed to make. Um, and it's, it's nowhere near anywhere that I could actually go get. Like, if I need to go back to corporate, I couldn't make the amount that I actually need right now um, because... What it costs to really live um, for me to take care of my kids, for me to take care of my household, for me to take care of our family and like just a living wage. Um, There's not corporate jobs that really pay that unless you're at like a higher, higher level. Um, So I had to really start to look at. If I'm really doing business for myself and I want to be of service to myself. And do this not just by happenstance or happenstance or charge what I'm worth, Um, which so much is what we are told all the time in the entrepreneurial space, at least online, is charge what you're worth. Like, but what does that even mean? Um, Like, what is our our worth is tied up into so much? Like we financially, it's like we need the black and white and we need the the numbers, excuse me, especially to really. Stay grounded in our rates when we're sometimes um, when people are like questioning why we're charging what we're charging or you know things like that. We need to be really have roots underneath and understand why our our numbers are personal to us and like they they make sense to us and we're not just pulling them out of thin air. Like because there may be people who challenge it and we want to just be able to stand against that. So. I have just, like, basically over the years, gradually, gradually, got gradually gotten to a number that works for me. And not to say that's been easy. It's been really, really hard. Like, I have had, I've been working with people and then been, like, you know, six months in or eight months in. Like, I, at this time, like, I need to increase my rates. And then that's a conversation with your clients. And not everybody likes to hear that. <laughs> um It's a hard, it's a hard conversation.
0: Because it brings up their money stuff. and. Your money stuff and it brings it all up to the surface.
1: Yes, all of it.
0: Yeah. So I, I love hearing this is a journey. This Mm -hmm. has been a long journey for you. Um, you have, you've come up with really solid fees at this time. And I really appreciate hearing it hasn't been easy. You know, it's Mm -hmm. been a long journey to figure this out and that, you know, the 25 was a leap. Um, from 22 or 15 and on the surface it could seem well that's amazing and it was for until you realize this is not working mm-hmm. and really getting in there to look at you know what are your business and personal expenses what are the actual numbers um, for lifestyle that includes kids household self-care um, and so on and it's a journey to Figure all of that out and what is right for you, and you'll continue to fine tune, right? Mm-hmm. To adjust. Yeah. Anything about when you go to ha- have those conversations? Um, any um, inner, outer techniques?
1: Um, that... I don't know if I've been the best at it, honestly. Um, I think I've been fortunate to have really great relationships with the clients that I've worked with like I I've always approached this work where I wanted to build relationships um and I've only worked with people whose messages and businesses and visions that I could really stand behind and so in doing that more times than not we become more than just like colleagues are working together we become friends like I know so much and and that's the nature of this work anyway right like when you're an entrepreneur and I'm an entrepreneur they're an entrepreneur and there are no roadmaps and you're a mother and I'm a mother and there are so many pieces of it like our we don't leave work at work and home at home like it it's all mixed up and so then we become more friends and so I think Like I said, I've been fortunate enough for people to, the people I've worked with, to understand my life situation and to kind of understand why my rates need to increase. Um, Not to say that I've kept all my clients when I've increased my rates, and actually I haven't. Even if we've been really great friends, had really great working relationships, sometimes I know that, like, if I'm telling them my rates are going to increase, I'm I've been working with them, I know where their business is at. They most likely cannot afford what I'm about to start charging, and so then it's a hard decision of being like I'm going to lose this client, and I'm going to maybe lose this relationship. And those are conversations I've had to have with myself. I lost one of my favorite clients, my favorite people, when I increased my rates at the beginning of this year. Um, and I say lost in that we she couldn't afford what I, my new rate. And, and I knew that, and it was hard and we both cried, but in that we both shifted. We're like, now, like we decide, are we like truly, is this a true relationship, right? Was it just um, a working relationship? And so we became friends after that. And so that I think is a trade-off. For me, but not to say it's definite, it has not (laughs) been easy, but I have to believe that what's for me is for me. And that, you know, those, those people that I've worked with, those women that I've worked with are in that space and time. And, um, you know, once I raise my rates, new people will come that are in that space and time, right? And then that, it, it all, it all pans out that way. Um, And I do do it with grace. Like I do, I'm not just like, next week my rates are increasing, like (laughs) get on board or get off. Like it is like, this is what I'm doing. And I always like write really long emails, have like, send them a box or like, this is what I'm doing. Like, don't be alarmed. Like if you want to have a conversation, if you have a, like, if you want to negotiate something else, like if you want to have a dialogue around it, I'm open for it. Um, But most people have been like, I love you, I understand, and it's not for me right now.
0: Yes, or it is, or yeah, love you, I love what we do together, my business can handle it. Um, I know what you're doing is at this phase in my business going to help me get to the next place and so on, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm hearing there's, yeah, when you of course there's grace with you, you can hear it and how you're describing this and saying you give them notice and you send them a long email and you offer dialogue. And, you know, this is something you've really thought about. You share all of that. You're willing to have the conversation or conversations that are needed, you know, so that they can make the right decision. And then you go from there mm-hmm. um, and see where your the transition takes you, you know, mm-hmm. if it's easy or no. So, um, and I have no doubt that people keep showing up saying I'm ready and I want to mm-hmm. work with you. You mm-hmm. know, okay. So this is again an ongoing journey. Yes. Um, yeah, an ongoing yes. journey, and you keep, you know, are the, what do those resonate with you? The the money, time, energy, family, and health, or would you <sighs> name those differently?
1: Mm yeah I mean they do definitely resonate with me and and I'm also you know all of those, and I also look at my um social political identities as well you know like if when I work in the corporate world, I already know that I'm making less than most people in that um in that sphere, like I am making less as a black woman, and so there has to also be an acknowledgement of that when I'm looking at my rates. So that's when I say, like, charge what I'm worth. Like, if if that's the messaging we get when we've inherently not been charged what we're worth, like, it's hard to be like, what am I actually worth? Like, quote unquote, like, what is my rates? And so when we take away that, like, emotional stuff with it and just be like, this is what I need to make. Like, this is really what I need to make. And not just to like survive. Like I think that paradigm is kind of done of like making enough to like just make it to the next week. I know so many people who've lived that way. I know so many entrepreneurs who really live that way. Um And I, so I look at that as well. And so my political, like my, um, Societal identities like those come into play for my rates as well, and so for someone like me, like there are a lot of people who do the work that I do right like they don't have the same uh, perspectives or intersections or um ideas because my history is different, and so I bring all of that like you it, it's a whole different way of being, but so my rates are actually different, so if you pit like me against someone else, um their rates may be less than mine um but I'm okay with that because I know inside of that I charge more maybe because I've always been paid less. Yes.
0: Yes. And for what you bring. Yeah. And for all that you bring. Right. Yeah. So I love that. So you would add in social political for you. Yeah. And that as well. Great. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So let's um, move into a little bit about your personal money story, and I know we're just going to begin here, um, and I would love to hear what are the main emotions mm. or set of emotions that come up for, come up around money for you, and it could be what are the emotions that come up now versus what they were when you were younger, when you were in your 20s, so share a little bit about that. I
1: would say it's really complex. Um I feel like I come from a mixed class background and so that is compounded on me. So I was raised by a single mom. Um and also my grandparents who you know, quote unquote had a little bit of money. Like, you know, they were pretty stable people. Um and so We never really wanted for anything when we were with them. Um, But my mom, you know, was raising two kids as a single mom. So I had that upbringing as well. Um, It's, I I would say my history, I've been fearful of not having enough money. Um, I think not from childhood, though. Like, I think there was, I always knew we were going to be taken care of. Um, My grandparents did so much for us and my mom as well. My mom worked really, really hard. So I never felt as a child that I, you know, that we weren't going to go without. I think when I got pregnant and started having kids in my 20s and I wasn't in secure relationships And um, those relationships ended. And then I was a single mom without getting child support. That's when my, like, fear and worry around money really started. So we're talking, like, 14 years ago. Um, And it's been really deep. Um, So I think, and I've always been a really hard worker, so I worked really hard. Uh, through my 20s to take care of my kids and to take care of me. It wasn't always enough. We made it, um, and we made it beautifully. Like, I think I'm really great at uh, weaving things together, and so I did that a lot. But I think the scarring of having to weave things together so much um, still weighs heavily on me of, like, feeling like there's not going to be enough. Um but also feeling like we're taken care of. So now I would say as 36 year old me who has done a a lot of healing, had a lot of therapy, worked around her money stuff, like really meditates and prays every day and understands that we are all inherently taken care of. I relax some of that like trauma around it. also, what has served me so much now is my deep learning and understanding of, like, capitalism and, like, how it informs how we work, who it takes from, who it benefits, um, how so much of our money systems um, extract from Black and brown people, and how we are just made to work and so understanding that, having more of that awareness has also alleviated some of the pain that I feel around money. Now, I, I always look at, I could be making more. Cause when we look at the grand scheme of things, I am raising four boys. Like, I don't know when enough is enough. Like, that's where I get scared. Cause I'm like, I don't know when we're looking at how am I going to retire, right? Like, How hard do I have to really work to retire as an entrepreneur? I'll be working forever. And that's not a bad thing. It's the kind of work that I want to do. Um, but like, how am I going to build a life for my kids? Like, be able to have ground, financial grounding for them. Um, as they get older and have different needs and all of that, how do I do that in this work? And so, And how do I do it just as a single mom? Like I said, I don't get any child support right now. Um, And that's pretty difficult. It's really hard to navigate that space of raising them by myself financially. So um, I and I used to be like, I'm just going to work harder and I'm just going to work harder. And now it's not even work smarter. It's it's work more embodied like have more embodiment in my work Mm -hmm. and really Mm -hmm. um dig deeper into like what am I here to do like and like my spiritual practices really ground me to be like okay like this feels scary you feel like you don't have enough and all of these things and also you're taken care of and also there are systems that are making it hard like also like and also is so much a part of my language because I understand that I am sovereign and also <laughs> there. I exist with people. I exist in a community. I exist in culture. And so I have to work and weave that through how I negotiate money, how I understand money, how I feel about money.
0: Do you feel that, um, in your 20s that you're, in continuing forward, that the biggest challenge has been that you have not received child support and all that that's impacted, affected results, like, and that journey um, that I hear has been so challenging that led you to therapy, um, Mm. which I love hearing, um, and that you've been in therapy and that it's been helpful for you. Um, You know, one of my questions is always like, what is one of the biggest challenges around money that you've mm-hmm. had to overcome? Um, Would you say? And it's and I want to hear more about this. Like, how, I mean, you shared a lot of how you have overcome this, but share mm-hmm. a little bit more about how this impacted you, because I'm, I, you know, for so many women, making their own money is so so important to them, it's such a challenge for some, so easy for others, or just so essential for. Surviving and then thriving. Will you sh- share? And it sounds like you, there's been the, this weave of spiritual foundation for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and practices that, that have woven in throughout this as well.
1: Yeah. Um, I, tra- not receiving child support. It's two things. So I'm a full time single mom to my youngest three, right? So that means I don't have freedom of time or money. And it's really difficult to have, to financially be responsible for like these souls and also not have the flexibility or freedom to be away from them a lot to like creatively or just rest. And so it's a double edged sword there. I, not getting the financial help makes it so I oftentimes feel like um, that they aren't getting, like there is a nurturance that they are lacking because what I'm focused on is making sure they have the essentials, that we have a really great home to be in, that we have heat and water and food and, you know, clothing and All of the things to actually live and be safe in this world, like, I'm making sure that they have. So if I look at, like, I always think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs of, like, at the bottom where it's, like, all your basic necessities are taken care of. That's what I'm always worried about, you know. Um, If I had more money, if I had child support, if I had help financially, then we could move up that – lotter of needs, and I can begin to be like, okay, future thinking for them, you know, what extracurricular things do they want to do, like, I see that my son is into art, like, I want to put him into this art class, like, you know, being able to save some money for them, not to go to college, but to just have money to gift to them when they start entering the world, um, just being able to to have maybe eat a little bit better. And so, it, it, and so I, since I'm financially taking care of anything, also what has been really hard is I used to describe it as, it's like me trying to climb up a mountain and they're all on my back yeah. and I can't really go anywhere, right? I can't take, like I'm going to take care of them first. And so then I come last, and that feels shitty. It That probably has been the hardest thing um, that as I've increased my rates that I've been able to get out of that box a little bit of being able to see myself as still a woman who wants to do things in the world, like travel and hang out with friends and do those things. But that costs money. Right. So, like, if I don't I don't have a huge community around me, Um, I have some family here and I have some friends. And so for me to go out and do things, it costs money because I need to hire a sitter. So there was a time when I could not afford that at all. And so I just didn't do much. And that's hard to deal with. That's hard. It's not. It's more than hard. I think it's, like, emotional depleting, emotionally depleting. Um, I I can – my body can, like, dip back into that feeling of being, like, I'm in a box. I have no other choices. Like, there is nothing I can do. I know in choosing to have my sons, like, I have to take care of them. Like, it's not an option right now, and so I have to forego the things I want to do. And that was kind of crushing because I don't, I didn't have the money to do it both. I couldn't take care and do things I wanted to do and do the thing, like, take care of them. And so I think that's the saddest part for me is being, like, feeling like no one, and it's not true, like, no one doesn't care about me, but feeling like I can't really self-actualize. That's probably the best way to put it. Um, because I still have dreams and wants and desires and pleasure and all these things I wanted to explore, and feeling like I'm never gonna be able to do that shit because I don't get financial support, I don't get time away from them, and it's just never gonna happen. And that was so hard. I I was I wasn't therapy because I was so depressed about that. Like feeling I had all these things I want to do, but also being like, I'm, you know, responsible for them and there's no way I'm going to make them, you know, suffer quote unquote, for me doing things, but then being really angry at their fathers for like, are you serious? Like, you know, and that has been, I, honestly, that's been the toughest thing. Hmm. Hmm.
0: And it sounds like, it's been a slow, slow um, unraveling or shifting. Um, and all these little baby steps of you, as we talked about earlier, shifting your fees, looking at all the areas that you need to cover. Um, how do you move from basic needs to uh, the next level? I, I really appreciate you saying saying that. you you thought you couldn't self-actualize and is that shifting? It sounds like it is. Mm -hmm. Um, It really is. Um, But I don't want to jump too far ahead or, um, but it seems like that's what you have been making slow, but huge, huge significant strides towards as a single mom of four Mm-hmm. Um, both through the work that you want to do in the world. Um, I mean, juice, I, I don't want, it, it, this may be a leap to go into. Is there any positive here? Because I don't want to
1: dishonor that you said. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of positives. And I think that's, I mean, it's the light in the dark, right? That's what keeps me like really fortified to know there is a reason. For all of this, like me having to comb through all of these years and build my life and my business really helps other people. And I would say that like the last two years have probably been the best for me as an adult woman, Mm -hmm. um, that they've ever been. Like I spent my whole, I always say I spent my whole twenties when like people were you know typically you're like finding yourself or hanging out or partying and I was a mother yeah like full on taking it seriously in college while mothering having twins like in really shitty relationships dealing with what that trauma was and I moved so much in my 20s like when I think back to my 20s it was so chaotic um but my sons don't know that, right? They they feel like our world was perfect, that it's been great. Um, but I know what the chaos was. And so now when I look at my 36-year-old self, I'm like, I've done well. Um, I've gotten to a point, like, everyone's always, you know, very surprised. Like, you work for yourself and you have four kids. Like, how do you do that? And you take like, how do you do all that? And I honestly, you know, part of me doesn't really know. There's a tenacity that I feel like I was born with, and I know I actually know that. Um, But that doesn't make it easy. It's really I feel happy now. I feel like, um, Hmm. and happiness is can be fleeting. But and so then maybe happiness isn't the right word. I feel joyful that. Um, I'm in the spot that I'm in and it's yes it's been that I've been able to make more money but it's actually been more that I've been able to be in more community and relationship with people so doing this work has allowed me to like spread my arms in a way that I wouldn't be able, that I haven't been able to do Um, like being a single mom is isolating right you normally and the way our systems are set up, you're not making enough money. So you go to work, you come home, most of your money is going to daycare or child care. And like, so you, maybe you're working two jobs. And so there isn't time for you to actually think about who you want to be and who you want to be with. And so doing this work has allowed me to not live in so much isolation, but do it in my home, right? So I can still be mothering and be responsible for my kids, but be virtually connected with people in LA doing great work and make those connections and I've built friendships where I can take my kids where I've that's how I met Danielle Cohen like like legit we met online and became really great friends and I can take my sons to her house and hang out or she comes here and I hang out with her family what I think the collateral now for me is the relationships and the people who have shown up and being like, I see you Mm. and I see what you're doing and it's magical and I want to be a part of it in any way that I can. And that has taken me out of the box that I feel like I was in.
0: Mm. What money and work lessons do you think you're, Passing down to your sons, consciously, unconsciously, directly and indirectly, and obviously, there's been a a trajectory and a journey that they've been on too, and what
1: they've watched you. Mm -hmm. So, what do you think they're learning? They're very impressed that I work for myself. They don't really understand it. They just know mom's home all the time, (laughs) and uh, you know, Yeah. yeah. So they're like, you know, my son today. Forgot his homework at home and he knew he could call me and be like, mom, I left my homework on the table. Can you bring it? And before I'd be like, no, I'm at work downtown. I'm sorry. And so I think what they gather is like this freedom of time that they get, they see me have. And then financially they don't, I don't, I don't share scarcity money stories with them. I don't feel that way wholeheartedly and so I don't really speak to them like we don't have that money or we don't you know I try to really explain the context of like how I make money and how that helps us like live the life that we have and um, so I think what they learn from me is like they see hard work and I don't even know if I like the term hard work but they see like persistence Mm -hmm. and um they see connections they see me talking to people all the time they've met so many people and so they understand that that's a way that you can possibly make money and Mm -hmm. so what I think what I'm doing for them more than them understanding of like oh this is how much money you can make it's a different ways that you can make money Mm -hmm. right so a lot of schools teach like. You want to be productive and get out into the world so you can get a job. And at home, I counter that a lot of, like, that is one path. And there's also this other path where you can, like my son Jaden, he's an he's he's going to be an artist. He is phenomenal. He's funny. He's all of these things. And I'm like, if you decide that's what you want to do, that can make you money. Right. So what you need is the grounding and the persistence and the tenacity and the self-understanding. Those are the things that are going to help you make the money you want to make and make it in a way that feels good. And so that's what they see me doing is being able to travel now. Now it's not a thing. Now it's like, guys, I'm going to be gone for the weekend. um, Going to visit a client or something like that, like and. Here's where you're going to be. And so now they're able to weave into their story of there's a different way, a different model of the world. And that, I think, is one of the biggest money lessons for them.
0: I love it. And I love that you're turning this concept on its head that we hear all the time of. You know, you you don't necessarily have to work harder. You just have to work smarter. Mm-hmm. And I've said that I've said that too. And there, I've for me, I've I I am really into hard work too. And I did for many 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 years. And I think there's phases of that. And when you're starting any big project, it's hard work. You know, there's mm-hmm. there it is. And and so I love that you're saying that it's not necessarily work smarter. It's you said work more embodied, mm-hmm. have more persist persistence. You know, create the connections, have self-understanding. You're you're giving us so many other words and concepts of how to describe a different way mm-hmm. of work, of bringing your work to the world. Yeah, I love it. Mm, thank you. Mm. And I love that you're teaching this to your sons and you're saying like, that's one path, you know,
1: Yeah.
0: here's another path. And they're seeing you and it's the water they're swimming in similar to my son. He doesn't, you know, quite get it. Yeah. I, I can bring the homework too, or the lunch if we forget to move it or in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he knows that other parents go to a job somewhere, you know, and they're not home or they have different hours.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you,
0: do you, do you can you trace this some of these threads back to grandparents' family, your upbringing, and what everyone did for work or their relationship to work? We spoke so just a teeny bit about you growing up is Is there anything about grandparents' great grandparents around their relationship mm. to their work in the world or who they were we, Well, you
1: know, I grew up watching my mom. Um, My mom is like a force. Like, that's always how I describe her. She is so smart and just was always very, like, clever and um, had a lot of tenacity and just, like, I remember, and just a presence. And so I remember watching her like when I was younger, I, I would say like, I want to be like my mom. I don't know what she did. Like I just want to do that job. What is that job? Because she would like dress. I, there's this purple dress she had. I remember it was so gorgeous. And she would wear, cause she worked downtown. So she would wear this gorgeous purple dress and then have sneakers on because she was going to work downtown, pitch the bus and then change into her heels. And I was like, that's like the life. And so my mom always had Great jobs, um, and just always showed up. And I remember watching that. And then, you know, me and my mom are, our birthdays are a day apart. I'm January 3rd, she's January 4th. And we're both Capricorns and both like just, you know, I, I, while I watched her do her thing, like I was born with that too. And so, I saw that in her. And then in my grandparents, my grandmother uh, worked in education until she retired. So I watched my grandmother get up and catch the bus every day and go to work. And she really enjoyed that. So I saw these women, these black women in my world who were just doing it. And and then I watched my – so my grandfather – um Was a veteran, and you know, when I came along, from when I could remember, he didn't work at that time because he was—he got hurt, he got benefits, so he was, you know, home. But what my grandfather did was, he really like took care of us. Like I, you know, my grandfather was the one I would go to, be like, "Hey, we, you know, all the grandkids want McDonald's. Can you take us?" And he would get in the car and take us, and um. You know, he was the one who decorated all the house for Christmas and, you know, the house was clean. My grandfather, you know, kept an immaculate house. And so there was a lot of weaving of the women who were working and my grandfather who had done service and he was now home, able to be home with the family. So that was really beautiful to see. Um But also inside of that, you know. My mom, like I said, she was a single mom and my mom didn't get child support. And so I remember her, a lot of anxiety from her around that. And like my grandparents having to step up and help out because my dad didn't and like how that weighed on her. And then as I've gotten older and, um, you know, been able to have different conversations with my mom just asking her, you know, how did that feel? You know, how did it, you know, what regrets or things did you have around that? And realizing like my mom, what she gave up to mother us like financially, right? Like the jobs she couldn't take or the places she couldn't go, like the box that she had to live in. And, um, you know, once she straight out of high school she met my dad and she kind of fell in love and she says now like that was a mistake (laughs) she's like you guys weren't a mistake she was like but I was so young she had a full ride scholarship to Howard University but she gave that up to stay with my dad and that's one of the things where she's like looking back I would have switched that because that would have changed my trajectory and so that's part of like my money story as well It's what I carry for me of like I think my mom has never been out of the country. Um, My mom hasn't traveled extensively. And not to say that's ever been a goal of hers. But when she sees me do it with my four kids or do it, like, she gets, she's like, okay, like, you're doing good work. And so I think part of that is healing for her, too, because it's like the sacrifices were for something,
0: and she could have so many different responses to that, but she's, mm-hmm. she's having the response of, like, you go. And mm-hmm. and I'm so happy that you're getting to do this. Mm-hmm. And my story or journey was different because of the choices, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So it sounds like there's a lot of open lines of communication with her to talk about money and history and choices and regrets and all of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, and I, I mean, I think there's a part of me that really, I think where I'm at now is, like, really wanting to, there's certain conversations around money that my mom didn't have with me, I think, because she just, she didn't know, and she didn't have a lot of money, and, like, she didn't know what to teach us, and so what I've been learning as an entrepreneur and working for myself and just, like, Having to, like, having to really be in it, like, really look at what I'm making and can I cover stuff, it has required for me to learn, you know, more about money and institutions and, like, credit and all of these things. And so I, those are, some like, this next couple of years, that's where I see myself really having these conversations with my sons or getting them involved and people who like do this work for younger kids because I want them to a yes, have the grounding of like the embodiment of like, this is what I can do. But I also want them to have the technical knowledge of like, you know, how to move in the financial systems. Like what are, like, what are investments? Like what, you know, what are these things that I think a lot of like black children don't have access to or don't know, they don't learn it. Um, and so I want them to learn that stuff as well. So as I'm learning that, I still want to weave that into them as well.
0: Great. So yeah, this is a very practical question, but what are the systems that you're using or what yeah, weekly, monthly, what are the rituals? Are you on? QuickBooks, are you on men, mm-hmm. quick and spreadsheets? Is someone doing this with you for you? Is that next steps for you? Yeah. Sure. What
1: about that? So I think definitely next steps for me is I'm going to hire someone to, I feel like I need, I don't even know what the word is, but like a money coach or someone to really help me look at some blocks. There are still some behaviors. So it's like some shadow side to my money where I, because I was, like I said, when I explained this box so much that I just am like, oh, I'll make more money. <clears throat> and so I spent. And so that's one of the things that I really am trying to. Like get out of that season and really, um, into a season of, um, like embodied, like financial planning, like really looking at like, this is what I want to grow and like doing it and not being swayed by the gorgeous dress. (laughs) So that's where I'm at. But right now I use, um, Bench, um, which is a bookkeeping service. So I've been with Bench for maybe the last, two years and so they do my bookkeeping every month like i don't do you know anything i look at the reports um if i have questions and i connect with the bookkeeper um i use a a tax filing service called tax file to file my taxes for the last couple of years they work with bench and so it's a seamless process then i work with a cpa from there who like looks through my stuff um so that's what I do like on the years the tax file every month I work with Bench and Bench has been like life-saving so when I first started this work you know I had a couple clients I didn't know I was just like you know I did everything myself and then I got really confused but as I've grown I was like I need someone to take this on and so Bench handles everything they know how to expense all the stuff and they've been wonderful um, but my monthly practices are like I have a spreadsheet that I keep with a, uh, a spread um, like a Google sheet, that, Google document that I keep where I just track, you know, so I know each month what my business expenses are, what my um, like life expenses are and like what revenue is coming in from clients. Um, and so I do I look at that at the first of every month. And just to for the the, for the current month to know like okay did anything change, you know are my expenses the same on that spreadsheet I'm tracking, like due dates for like all the business things I use. So we're talking about like Acuity and Zoom and Squarespace and. Any of the little apps that I like may have signed up for on my phone that help me like build needs. Like I'm tracking all of that, and then I'm reevaluating to see if like I still need it. If that thing I still need for this month, and if not, then I'm uh, not keeping it. And so I know at the beginning of the month, and it usually doesn't change a bunch, but I know you know kind of where I'm at. And so in doing that for the last few years, I know what my baseline is. Like my life is pretty like, well-kept at this point, like, I know I need to make $5,000 a month, like, to keep everything intact, like, to pay my rent, to keep, pay my car, to, you know, pay our water and all those things, like, that's it. If I don't make that, then we're, we have problems, Um, but anything above that starts to, like, I can, maneuver a little bit more. And so that's my baseline and I always like tell my clients when they're talking about money is like, what's your baseline? Like what's your um your number? What's the number like if you don't make that like shit is about to not be great. Like I think we all need to know like because otherwise we get in a panic when we start to make things up of like, you know, I can't afford that or I can't do this or you know, if this client leaves and it also makes me it allows me to be like if something maybe isn't working with the client and I know we're going to part ways, it gives me the freedom to be like, if this client leaves, I'm still going to be good. Yeah. Like I know I'm fine. It gives me more control of like my work. Um, So that is like my practice. So, you know, beginning of the month, looking at this spreadsheet, knowing how much I like am earning, knowing what my expenses are and then like digging that if I need to, as far as like business expenses. And then, Working with bench, um, like I said, that's been wonderful. And um and then like that's, I feel like that's the above the line stuff. Like under the line, like the more stuff that you can't see is that I really try to when I get thoughts of like, I don't know how I'm gonna make it this month, or I need another client, or you know, whatever the panic is, I try to change my quality of thought immediately of like Everything is well. Like you're gonna, you're good. Like and honestly, like I shifted my business at the beginning of this year and increased my rates and I lost a couple of clients. Were clients who said yes. So I've I've been fine. It's been beautiful. And but there have been there was a couple of moments where like I don't know, like what's gonna happen. And then when I change my thoughts, like things really seem to come full circle. Things seem to be fine. Like I get. You know, an influx of cash from somewhere, like, you know, it's either been like people buy a course or someone signs up for a one-off or something like that. And I can't say that it's just from the change, changing of my thoughts, but I think it's the action that comes from like really changing the quality of my thoughts. And then in that being like, okay, so what can I do to make sure that comes to fruition? Like, so it's the both of those, the changing of the thoughts and the action that comes with it.
0: I love it. I mean, you're describing. Um, what you do on money dates, the inner and the outer work. You're describing your financial support team. Um, you have a lot in place, you know. I've heard bench is life saving for so many. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a bookkeeper and, um, instead of bench, but same thing, you know. They do so much. They do all the tracking. They print out their reports. and then you got to read them, what you're doing, you know, and starting to look at. Sounds like you really know your business expenses clearly you know um what you need your baseline is so essential as you're saying so true um and then you know it's always we're always fine-tuning right for Mm -hmm. every six months every year for years and years to come until we until we die right that's how it goes Mm -hmm. So I love that you're because every year I say what do you need to fine-tune on an inner Mm -hmm. level which you're doing and action level which you're doing and you mentioned something about um a tendency is always like, I'll just make more, you know, make more money and that will sell something or, you know, and you're realizing there's a little more fine tuning to do with, mm-hmm. sounds like your personal expenses, you like the dresses, which is great, maybe, <laughs> you know, you might get to keep those purple dresses or whatever dresses, you know, mm-hmm. and choose to adjust somewhere else, but it sounds like you want to do a little more work right there. You know, and and that is a money coach or a financial coach. That's what they do day in and day out. They sit down and look at your values and priorities and what phase of life and what your numbers are, you know,
1: and Mm -hmm.
0: what you can adjust and what you can't and where you really want to be directing
1: those funds. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, you know, that is people come to work with me because they need like accountability, right. In their business, like the things they say they want to do the things they want to get done and why they want to get it done. Like the clarity is really important and they need someone to hold it to, hold them to it. And so for me, it's really been realizing because I can be stubborn and I can be like, I can do it all. Like I've done all this. I don't need anyone to help me. Like I can do it, but money, because I've had this, Feeling of being trapped for so long, I, that is, it's big for me. I can just be like, spend and be like, I'll figure it later. And then I get, figure it out later. And then I get in my body, um, there's a feeling that I get of, you know, it's great in the moment of like, I'll take, I'll do this now and then I'll figure it out later. But when that figure it out later part comes of like the nervous and the anxiety, like that feeling, I don't, Want right I think I've had enough of that <laughs> now, um, and so like sometimes I have a bad habit of like delaying paying certain bills because I'm like, well, maybe there's something else I want to buy, and then the anxiety is like if I do that, like if I can't pay it, then I start to like feel bad in my body. so what I've started to do is be like, okay, when I sit down and I'm like feeling like maybe I don't pay this. I bring myself back and I'm like, but do you want that feeling? Yeah. Like, do you want that feeling? Like it's cognitively, I have to remove it. Like the, I have to really bring myself back to my body to be like, nah, we don't want that feeling. So we're not going to do that. <laughs> we are going to work another way. But what I realized is I definitely have to work like in 2020, bring on someone to help me be accountable to my financial dreams, right? I I can handle, I've handled everything else. Like the money part, like I really am going to need support with, as my sons grow, I think that's one of the things that's hit me in the face. My older son entered high school. He had homecoming this year and realizing he's going to be going to college soon. Like he has four years left of like, being in our like ecosystem ecosystem where he can actually like I want to travel mom I want to do these things and I so want to support that and I want to be able like some things my mom wasn't able to do for me like she did so much for me but like things of like like if he wants to do an alternative way of like being like if he wants to do a gap year of like like I want to be able to be like, I prepared for that for you. And I want them to understand that. So in order to do that, I have to really be accountable to those goals and my financial choices.
0: Yes. Yes. And it sounds like you could do all of this on your own mm-hmm. uh, very well. I, I love what I call the body check-ins of how you're catching the moments where you're about to hold back from doing something or postpone it or do something and, and realizing, Oh, but that feeling's going to come that uh-huh. very bodily feeling sensation. And you don't want to go there. You don't need to go there. You know that now. So how can you do this differently? Like you, you, you're doing that more and more, but to be able to have another support person who's by your side, um, to help you hold um where you're at, where your boys are at, where they're going. We'll just be so loving and supportive mm-hmm. for you even though you clearly can do it all on your own, you know. Mm-hmm. Um last money memoir question and I want to hear a little bit more about your work and the game changers fund. Um so to complete the money memoir for now, how do you define money legacy? What is money mm-hmm. what is leaving a money legacy mean? To you, Ooh. you already know answer that, or do you feel like there's there's other things you can say?
1: Mm. I mean, that's really deep for me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm my grandmother passed away in May, and her house. So where I live, I'm a block in one direction from my grandmother, or was a block in one direction from my grandmother, and another direction one block away from my mother and so like i'm kind of in the center of like where we grew up and you know so close to my family and the home that my grandparents lived in um they moved to so my family got to colorado because my grandparents decided to move from new orleans to colorado um my grandpa was a veteran and he um was at Fitzsimmons Hospital and then he started working at Fitzsimmons and so he wanted a better life for his kids and so they moved from the South from segregation and from all of that to Colorado and brought their kids and they built a home, um, had a home built on land from scratch. Like no one else lived in that house. It was just our family. And this week um that house was sold. And it's going to another buyer. And, you know, it's been really tough for me because that's been my like home home. That's been, that's where I grew up. Um, that's where we've had Christmases. That's where we, you know, my grandmother played. That's where they played all the jazz music. That's where I learned about New Orleans and that's where I learned about culture in that home. And so in that buying of that house, it created the opportunity for my family, my my aunts and uncles and my mom to sell the home and reap some financial rewards from that, right? The market is great in Denver. You can, you know, sell the house and make some money. And so now what that does, it the money is passed down to my mom and then, you know, she'll pass it on. And so when I look at money legacy really now as a 36 year old woman who is really trying to be um do things differently um to really be in relationship with the world and with people and create for my sons for me it looks like being forward thinking with all of my money actions now. Like this is a realization I've had this week as this house is sold is like my grandparents maybe knew, maybe they didn't know that what they were doing in buying that home and raising their family there, right? It created some sort of wealth for us where that they could pass down. And I want to be able to have my grandkids, my granddaughter, Look back and be like, my grandma did that. Like her choices made it so that I can be or do and have these things. And so there is an inherent sense of like wanting to be a really good ancestor. And that's kind of what money legacy is for me. Like, yes, the here and now. Yes, I need to take care of the day to day. And there is so much day to day. And also, Wanting to build for my kids, wanting to build for their kids and wanting to create not only like the financial resilience, but also the emotional and and embodied resilience of like how to be in the world in a better way. And so that's all tied up into how I want to leave a legacy. And so that also is why I have things like the Game Changers Fund. Um, because I think a way to counter the culture that says we strictly make money to take care of me and mine, like I get money to take care of my nuclear family, and that's and I give to charity occasionally, and I do like to combat combat that like I looked at like how can I, as I'm getting more money as I know I need to make more money, how can I still in that space take what i 've learned, what i've you know like the people it's really like, how can I take the relationships that I've created? How can we as a collective change it for a few other people like what can we do it doesn't have to just be me like I'm used to just like being a single mom and doing it all by myself but what I've learned over the last few years is that like we're better together definitely and if we have the same values we can collaborate beautifully and so the game changer Fund was like built out of that of seeing like there are black women doing beautiful work in the world and they And there are more who just don't have the finances to like see their vision through. So what if all of this change and healing and evolution that we're all going through, we see it everywhere. Like what if we pulled that together and like pulled our resources a little bit here, a little bit there and was like, here sis, we see you take this and do what you need to do to bring your vision into the world because it's going to make us all better. And so that's what the game changers essentially is it was me being like I met some great people over the years over the internet in person like and they're enrolled into my vision like so let's be like let's do this collectively and support a few people and that's what we've been doing
0: Toy thank you so much for sharing some of your stories with with me with all of us um I'm I'm very honored and very grateful for everything that you're sharing um and I'm you don't need me to be impressed but I'm so impressed with (laughs) you as a woman as a mom of four boys and everything you've created in your journey and how deeply you explore all of this you know how deep you go and how you're always integrating the inner and the outer um and you as soon as I saw the game changers fund, it was it was such a clear yes for me for so many reasons. Um, so thank you for doing that as well. Mm. Um, anything else that you want to share as we complete and please share how folks can find you.
1: Um well, I can be found um at ToyMarie.com. dot com. Um that's probably the easiest like website to find. <clears throat> Excuse me, I run a brand called Black Women Are Love, um, and it's merchandise and it's a movement to kind of support the love of Black women and it's, that's at com. I am in all of, on all of the social media spaces at Toy Marie, um, and they're linked everywhere so you can, I have a couple other Um, like Instagram pages, that you can find them if you go to Toy Marie. And, I mean, really, I just want to thank you for the conversation because I think for so long it's been, you know, really one-sided in the terms of how we made money or why we made money or the feeling of money and being able to be like, it's so gray. Like there's, it's so complex. Like to uh, for people to understand that, I think it frees them. And I know for the people I'm in community with who aren't making a, a shit ton of money, you know, but are like embodied sovereign people, like it's important for us to realize that it is the outer and the inner it's above the line and below the line and like it all matters. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for joining me with this money memoir interview. I really hope you found something here to take with you, whether it was a lesson, some inspiration, or even just a little grace for yourself and where you are in your money journey. If you're feeling called to wade deeper here, Please pack your financial goals, soul deep aspirations, and grab your favorite person. The Art of Money is a holistic framework that integrates money healing, money practices, and money maps, and blends therapeutic, body-based practices with real-life tools that we all need to create healthy, sustainable change in our money lives. So if you'd like to begin your money healing journey with the art of money today, learn more at barrytesler.com.